Welcome to coffeeis.me podcast, where me means you, or more precisely, us. This is the show where your host, Valerian, without using any interrogation techniques, convinces coffee professionals to reveal their secrets to teach and inspire you to make better coffee and earn a few bucks on the side, if that's what you fancy. Let the show begin. Hello, hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in to Coffee Is Dot Me podcast. I'm your host, Valerian Rala. So it's February and we have the official winner of our contest. It is Paul from Newport Coffee. Congrats, Paul. Uh, simply because other winners did not contact me. So, well, they lost, I guess. <laughs> I always told you it's worth listening to this show. You have to listen to this show. Otherwise, you can lose. There's no real news about my espresso equipment yet. I'm still looking, I'm searching, I'm exploring. Uh, one thing which I got myself is is a rock machine. I don't know if you've ever tried it. It's a tr- small handheld espresso maker. Well, we can call it espresso maker. It's, it's all analog. There is no electricity whatsoever. Check it out. It's a pretty awesome toy. I'm enjoying to play with that. Obviously, it's not my official espresso maker yet, but I'm having fun with that and I love also the grinder. Hey, free plug rock. Today's show will be a little different. In one of the previous podcasts, I mentioned that I'm interested to see the coffee development in countries where coffee was not part of their culture. Yes, Asia, I'm talking to you. We already mentioned the sophisticated coffee culture in Japan and Korea, and we also mentioned the booming coffee culture in China. But how about the rest of the Asia? Well, in this episode, I'll talk about a specialty coffee with Reza Kosar from Iran. And if you think that this show will be about Turkish coffee, you are wrong. Not that there is anything wrong with the Turkish-style coffee, but my point is that we're going to talk about the specialty coffee development in Iran. I hope you are excited the same way as I was to learn about Iranian coffee culture. So let's do it. Reza, let's go. Hey Reza, welcome to uh, Coffees.me podcast. Thank you for accepting the invitation. Hi, hi Valerian. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure it's on my side. Before I ask about Iranian coffee, uh, tell me more about you. Uh, how did coffee find you? Uh, well, uh, it may sound irrelevant, but I love chocolate. And, uh, you know, somehow they're making a great pair. And uh, I also uh, used to make coffee at home melting a, co- a chocolate bar, mixing it with milk and coffee, and uh, making some signature drinks, <laughs> you can say. And uh, it was fun. And uh, then I found myself loving the coffee itself. And at that time, I think it was three years ago, uh, a friend of mine was uh, you know, taking some courses on coffee, and he was running a very small coffee bar so I started to work there as a barista to uh, learn about the coffee more. And yeah, that's it. I think it was the beginning of the professional side of my career. Well, that's cool. I don't think it's irre- irrelevant at all because I know a lot of people <laughs> who like wine, they, took, they kind of move into the specialty coffee because, you know, most of the people drink coffee for just, just drink coffee, right? For, you know, getting yeah. the caffeine, you know, in the morning. So I, that's, that's a great story. I like that. Are you still doing that? Are you still making at home uh, chocolate with coffee? Uh, if I make time. <laughs> I usually don't have that time. 
put uh, and for the uh, vine, <laughs> you know, because it's uh, prohibited here. I know. And we are banned to drink. Yeah. So the chocolate was the, uh, you know, the good <laughs> substitution. You decided to go with coffee. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you learn about it? How did you get all the information about roasting, brewing? Uh, you know, uh, when I realized that how great the coffee world is and how passionate I am about it, I started to search, research, study, learn about it, you know. Uh, it was merely self-studied. And uh, also, uh, I have to, uh, you know, admit it, boot coffee helped me a lot oh. because I read the articles, I read the uh, articles that Mr. Boot or uh, Mrs. Uh, Jody, you yourself wrote, and uh, yeah, I I just started about it. Well, thank you so much. Uh, I did not expect uh, to, to praise us so much. Uh, yeah, sure, because it was the truth. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, cool. I feel a bit uh, shy now. <laughs> oh, come on, no. <laughs> no it, it's, you know, it's, I know that, you know, uh, Willem is doing his job and Jody is doing her job and, you know, I'm mm -hmm. doing things and we, we, we sometimes get feedbacks, but not that often. And usually the people I interview on this podcast, you know, they are not our trainees. I mean, I mean, they, they didn't come through our, you know, training. Sometimes they do, sometimes not, but, uh. So it's kind of nice to hear that there are people out there who just read our articles and, and get inspired in the coffee world. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> cool. So let's cut to the, to the meat of this podcast. You know, you are from Iran. And for me, Iran is a place I've never been, but I always mm -hmm. admired because, you know, you have this amazing history. And, you know, we yeah. don't know too much about it. So tell us, how do Iranians drink coffee? And... What is the difference between if you go, let's say, to a cafe in Iran and if you go to somebody's <laughs> house and they offer you coffee? Uh, well, uh, Iranians uh, were drinking coffee from a long time ago. But uh, over time, it changes its place to tea. They prefer tea. But, uh, you know, if you ask, if you go to regular home uh, and ask for a coffee, you may get, uh, you know, a Turkish-style coffee or mocha pot or mm -hmm. even French press. And uh, if you go to a cafe, you may get uh, what you want because <laughs> there's this espresso machine there. But uh, most of the people here like uh, milk-based coffees, you know, latte, cappuccinos, mocha, you know, mm -hmm. yeah, something like that. It's like everywhere else in the world, I guess. Uh, the the yeah. milk drinks are basically the ones which carry the coffee, I think. Exactly. exactly. You said something that people prefer to drink tea. So does it mean that in homes, it's still true that people go more with tea than coffee? Yeah, actually, that's true. Is, is it changing somehow? Because I know in China, the... Uh, coffee culture is really like booming and people start st starting to switch so slowly to coffee. Mm -hmm. Is something yeah. like this happening in Iran? Yeah, we're trying to uh, make that atmosphere for them. And uh, yeah, I think, I hope so, you know, I hope so. Because they used to drink coffee and now uh, instead they prefer tea. And uh, yeah, I that's promising, I think. And I hope so. 
So we are going to do switcheroos. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, okay. You, you mentioned that in uh, cafes you have espressos. Mm-hmm. How do Iranians like espresso? How, how did it get there, first of all? You know, uh, who brought the espresso culture there and uh, how, how do people like it? Uh, I don't know exactly how it started, but uh, you may be shocked to hear that. Uh, but uh, they wanted bitter, dark, estrogen. You know, they like it that way because uh, most of the cafes in Iran. Uh, using the commercial coffees with a higher Robusta ratio, you know, mm-hmm. they used to, uh, yeah, they get used to it. But uh, here uh, we're trying to uh, change it, change that culture. I saw the images of your cafe on Sprudge. Mm-hmm. I think there was an article about that. And I, I was yeah. like, whoa, this is amazing. This is a, like a dream of every coffee lover to have something like that. You have the beautiful probat there, amazing furniture, like very friendly people, you know, big smiles. Thank you. Know. you. It's, it's just, wow, yeah. I was like, I want that. <laughs> That's very kind of you. <laughs> Thank you. Well, it is truth. Uh, but, you know, I was wondering, you know, I saw also that you have some uh, Chemexes there and Harios. Uh, is, uh-huh. is that right? Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, as the leading cafe, uh, Introducing the third wave in Iran, uh, as we started to uh, serve a specialty coffee, you know, uh, at the beginning it was tough. No one would accept it, mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, they were complaining about it. Uh, oh, it's so weak, it's so sour. Uh, but gradually we uh, made it by preparing the atmosphere, ambience, and uh, presenting the. Uh, the coffee culture as it has to be and let the coffee speaks for itself, right? Yeah. Uh, and uh, there it goes. Uh, they love it. Now they order Siphon, Chemex, uh, even Kalita. They love it. When did you open? Three years ago. Two, two and a half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he, maybe you know, maybe not. You know, I have a business in Slovakia, in Europe. Yeah, yeah, I know. Okay, so it's a roastery called Green Plantation. And mm-hmm. when you mentioned that, you know, uh, when you started, the people liked the the, the kind of uh, bitter, dark roast, kind of robusta e-coffee. Mm-hmm. That's a situation. This was the same when we started. And actually, when we restarted, we restarted in 2012. And when we brought the third wave coffee, I mean, we were, we were the laughing stock, you know, because there was a lot of companies who were kind of, you know, established on the market, and they were, you know, discussing how much robusta shall be in a in a arabica, and we were like, that's yeah. that's you know that, that that's not our world. You can discuss it, you know, it's not our, our world is focusing on arabicas and not only our arabicas, but actually special yeah. varietals, special terroir, you know. And it's it's interesting that from becoming a laughing stock, now we are one of the trendiest roasters in Slovakia, and there's many people who do something similar. So you know. We share the same story. Exactly. Uh, what, what kind of coffees do you have, by the way? What kind of stories do you uh, sell to your customers? We usually buy our coffees from uh, Inter-American Coffee, mm-hmm. from Central America, South America to Africa. It depends on the season. Uh, I choose them, I source them, and uh, I order to Inter-American Coffee. 
And uh, then I roast them, we pack them, and uh, we're gonna sell them. So which lots are the most popular? Uh, the most popular with our customers are those coffees with chocolatey and fruity notes. I'm trying to uh, introduce the different coffees to them. So uh, I don't want to stop to one coffee and uh, so that our customers are stuck to it. I, I, I want to make that experience for them, you know, they may experience different flavors, different tastes of uh, different regions of the world. You are like, when somebody <laughs> asks me what's my favorite coffee, I always says, well, which is my favorite child? It's very hard to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. <laughs> cool. When you, you know, love coffee, <laughs> it's all about coffee that you love. Yeah. You know, I ask because, you know, when, uh, when we kind of we share the same start, you know, in Iran and Slovakia, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, we know, for example, that to train our customers to this new world, we have to sell a lot of Brazils because they do offer those kind of like chocolatey notes, as you said, you know, those kind of like caramel sweetness. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to add kind of like nasty stuff to that, like Robusta. I'm sorry if I offend someone with Robusta, but I, I'm really not into that world. But, uh, you know, so, so that's a good start. And we know that later, they will exper- uh, try to experience with something. Uh, sorry, they later will try to experiment with also our other coffees. But you know, we think that the Brazils are a very good start. So you can you can try that. You know, and you can light, roast them kind of like light, even for filter, because they give you mm-hmm. this kind of very sweet chocolatey, you know, uh, background. So that, that's yeah. how we do it. Yeah, actually, I use uh, different roast profiles, and uh, I may uh, choose some lighter rows for uh, brewing devices. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good. <laughs> that's perfect. We, you just started the next topic and that's very good. Uh, it's the, you know, I saw your beautiful probat there. You couldn't hide it from me. That's just beautiful mm-hmm. piece of technology <laughs> there. So what kind of rose profiles do you use on? Uh, are you using, okay, so here's the question. Are you using different rose profiles on different coffees? Or do we have some set profiles? Or do we have only one profile? Uh, no, I use different rose profiles for uh, various coffees. And, uh, you know, it depends on the uh, elevation of the coffee, humidity, uh, moisture content, and so many aspects that would affect the coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just, you know, uh, I may uh, play with rose development time and the charge temperature and uh, it, it vastly depends on the uh, usage and the purpose of the coffee. Okay. Yeah. So for espresso, let's say, uh, is there any tip you would recommend to the roasters, you know, uh, maybe one or two, what they can uh, kind of pay attention or what they can actually, how they can improve their coffees? Well, <laughs> I'm not that professional, <laughs> I'm trying to be, but uh, here in Iran, uh, they love it to be, as I said, uh, chocolatey, and uh, they want that sweetness uh, in the coffee, so uh, you may go for a little longer roast development so that you can have those 
uh, sugars in your coffee. Mm. How happy are you with your ProBat? Oh, it's great. You know, one of the magnificent <laughs> machines in the world. <laughs> and that's great. Did you have a chance to roast on other machines? No, no. Okay. I opened my eyes and I was roasting with ProBat. <laughs> <laughs> How long are you roasting? Uh, it's been a year. So. No. I wow. Mean, yeah. It's only a year and you're using roast profiles. Man, that's that's a biggie. You know, there's a lot of <laughs> like professionals here in the United States and also in Europe. I know uh, plenty in Europe who, who don't even use roast profiles. They don't even know what it is. When I, I remember when I used to write my first articles uh, in Europe, some people, when I talked about roast profiles, they thought that it's the, you know, roast degree, like how dark you <laughs> roast, but that's totally different. And so yeah, I, I was like, hmm. exactly. <laughs> So that's a great thing. Congrats. Well, thank you. I'm trying. <laughs> From roasting back to your cafe, I want to know about your customers. How did you find your first customers? Because you said that people are drinking these heavy, you know, Robusta infused coffee. How did you find your first customers who were kind of open to this new experience? As I said, it was tough because no one would accept it. But gradually they became, they become, you know, familiar with the taste of the new coffee. How do you promote your cafe? Our central branch is located in the uh, one of the high-end districts in Tehran and in a luxury mall mm-hmm. called uh, Sam Center. And uh, But our uh, the price on our menu are so, you know, are so uh, Small. I cannot say cheap. Okay. <laughs> cheaper than, yeah, but it's cheaper from the other cafes around in town. You know, you have to keep the quality and the price as low as possible. I checked your website and uh, looked at your prices. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, if I compared it to uh, United States dollars, they were like cents. I was like, how can you make yeah. a living? It's it's amazing. <laughs> you know, you are so cheap, and yet you have this kind of very sophisticated cafe in a you said in a luxury shopping mall. Is this a normal pricing in 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 Iran? Is this so cheap, like generally? No, no, no. That's us. Oh. That that's our policy. Yeah. Which is interesting because it's totally opposite when it comes to Europe or United States. Because mm-hmm. as as a specialty grade coffee people, we we price it not only based on you know how much the coffee costs, but you're adding this amazing value, this amazing story, this uh, handcraft, you know. So we we are not yeah. shying away to price it much higher than even the, like a big brand. And you guys went mm-hmm. other way around. You actually said we're going to make it cheaper so people can experience that. But uh, that's the way uh, you can acquire your customers and uh, trying to make that bet that they can... Uh, come into it and experience the new coffee culture as it has to be. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to raise the prices, no one would accept it. I agree. I mean, that's, that's actually partly true uh, in Eastern Europe, perhaps. But when I came to the United States, I was thinking the same way as you do, that if you create an amazing product and you lower your price, you can actually mm-hmm. beat the competition. But that doesn't work here that way. And maybe, you know, the Americans who are, you know, uh, from here, they can correct me on this. But I think that if you raise the prices, you will fall into certain category of uh, 
of income, I would say, income level, mm-hmm. and they expect mm-hmm. that if the product has a quality, will cost that much or more. You know what I'm trying mm-hmm. to say? So basically, yeah. if I would, let's say, have this amazing Ethiopian coffee and I'll underprice it, people think that I'm selling junk, mm-hmm. although it's amazing coffee, which is very interesting yeah, phenomenon. I, I never experienced that before. Uh, only when I came to the United States and it took me three years until I kind of got used to that. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just interesting. Yeah, you told me that you know the old customers are drinking, uh, or you know the old way drinking coffee in Iran is uh, with you know robusta and kind of heavy coffee. You changing you know yeah. with your specialty coffee. How about decaf? Do people drink decaf in Iran? Yes, they do because we are open till 10 p.m. Sometimes 11 p.m. We have to offer decaf. Let's go to the espressos and and drinks in in your cafe. Oh, what equipment do you use now? Right now we have a DC Pro and a Mistral, but uh, in few days we are about to change them. Oh. And we are about to use a Slayer. Nice. Yeah, man. <laughs> nice. That's great. <laughs> so what espresso okay. recipe do you use and do you change the temperature with uh, different coffees? Yeah, uh, I do. I... Uh, change the espresso recipe according to the espresso theory uh, that it goes like uh, the lighter the coffee roast is the uh, more ratio uh, you use one to three sometimes mm-hmm. and I also change the temperature and raise the temperature as it gets a lighter in the roast profile what temperature would you use for let's say uh, like a regular espresso and what temperature would you use for a light espresso for a lighter espresso i'm gonna go for uh 94 94.5 centigrade and uh for a regular one uh i use 91 it uh you know it vastly depends on the coffee when it comes to the uh milk-based drinks what are the most popular drinks in in your cafe latte and cappuccino do you have some recipe which let's say is very typical for Iran and you kind of take your local culture and incorporate it in a third wave? There are some key ingredients that uh, if you're going to use them, it reminds you of the, as uh, we can say, traditional in Iran, uh, such as uh, cardamom, cinnamon, uh, rose water, oh, and let's say saffron, yeah. Most uh, herbal distillates, use them with your coffee and uh, you're making a new recipe. <laughs> are you using those or are the customers are free to use whatever they want? No, uh, we do not have uh, such a thing in our menu, but uh, for making a signature drink that reminds you of Iran, you can use them. Who are your baristas, by the way? How, how do you find them? How do you train them? And how do you select them? Uh, almost all of them got the SCAE diploma. Oh, wow. But, uh, yeah, but uh, we do have our own school here. We do, uh, we do have our own training here. Is there a big interest in to, to become a barista in Iran? Uh, yeah, nowadays, uh, yes, it is. Uh, it, uh, it became some, somehow, you know, trendy. How, how many third-wave cafes are there? Or is it something which happens only in Tehran, or is it something which you know we can find in other places in Iran? 
Uh, no, it, it started in Tehran, but uh, I can see it in the future that so many big cities would acquire this new wave. Do you, do you have different brands now of third wave in, in Tehran? Are there many companies who do uh, third wave? No, not that many. A few, maybe two or three. Are you friends, guys, or are you competitors? <laughs> we have a good atmosphere here. <laughs> okay, I'm just asking. Your friends. <laughs> yeah, your friends here. <laughs> you will be uh, scared to say something else because they will get you, huh? They are very close to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No worries. I mean, that's an yeah, okay. amazing <laughs> part of Third Wave that there's so much like collaboration and friendship. And it's it's just fun. It's much more fun than you know. I started with coffee in two thousand one, and the environment there was totally different. It was very competitive, and you did not share the recipes. You you did not share the roast profiles. So in two thousand one, it was like the secretive industry, you know, coffee and the, yeah. And now it's very open. It's kind of cool sharing, like espresso recipes but, and roast profiles. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But somehow uh, it is still goes on here. <laughs> Yeah, it goes on everywhere, and even in third wave, you have people like yeah. that. You know, I mean, I have to be honest. I, I when I ask people to come to the show, I usually expect that people say no, you know, because you mm-hmm. have to share your know-how here. And uh, in many cases, they do say no, but I was surprised that most of the people do say yes, and they are very excited. So, thank you for mm-hmm. sharing your know-how with us. The last question I have for you is: uh, mm-hmm. you, you already kind of. Uh, said a little bit about it is how do you see the coffee industry in Iran in the next five years? It was a time that uh, the machinery was uh, so simple. We were using music grinders, simple espresso machines, no brewing devices at all. And uh, look, <laughs> we have Probat, we have Slayer, we have Malconic, and so many cool machineries here. And uh, that's promising. I think that's going to be great in the next five years. For you guys, and I know that because I see that you work you know, very hard and you have amazing stuff, but how, how do you see it in Iran? Like, How do you see it, let's say, in, in, with other cafes or maybe perhaps restaurants or people at home? Do you think they will mm-hmm. kind of like turn into this third wave or is it something which will stay only for kind of people who like the specialty you know, uh, products, the people who like the the creme de la creme of things mm-hmm, mm-hmm. well uh, as a coffee geek and a coffee lover i hope uh, i hope so i hope that uh one day uh the coffee culture grows that way but uh i don't know we have to try we gotta do our best as a leading cafe you know and we are about to do our best sounds uh, interesting and I really hope one day I will have a chance to visit you guys. That's a great pleasure. Yeah, (laughs) me too. Okay, thank you so much for the interview and I wish you the best, guys. Thank you. It was nice talking to you. This is it for this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. For me, it was an interesting insight to a place I've never been and I'm really interested in to see how the specialty coffee gets to Iran and throughout all the Asia. I love the fact that the coffee can connect us throughout the world, throughout the cultures and it's just fascinating, isn't it? I just simply love it. In the next episode, we embark on a journey with one and only Devora Fordiger. 
Deborah is going to share a lot of valuable information about opening a cafe. Deborah is going to go to a lot of details, so this podcast is going to have three episodes, and each episode is worth of gold. If you are thinking to start a cafe, or if you already have a cafe and you want to learn more tips, this is a must for you. Deborah is working for Equator's Coffees and Teas, which is a coffee roastery not far away from me here in San Rafael, California. And Deborah is also the one behind our barista course. If you ever took the bootcamp barista course, or if you took the uh, barista course on our coffeecourses.com, Deborah is the one who was training you. I can't wait to start releasing this episode. Until then, do not drink coffee like my brother. Uh, I think I heard that uh, one before. Oh, wait, wait, don't tell me. <laughs> okay, enough of this silliness. <laughs> Have a great one, guys. Bye.